into our church gathering where we give Yeshua the preeminence. Amen. The place where we are born of grace and raised in love. Hallelujah. We live for his glory. We live for his praise. Amen. Let's have our seats. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God in the highest for his mercies endures for ever. Amen. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Ephesians, chapter 1. Uh, we'll go to start from verse 14. Amen. But our focus starts from verse 17. But I will start from verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 7, I'll start. The Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood. In him who? Jesus, right? In Jesus we have redemption through his blood. In Jesus we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption. Let's keep the word redemption in our mind. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The Bible does say in whom we have protection through his blood. The Bible does not say that through his blood which protects our, our chairs and our cars and our houses. The Bible says we have redemption. Redemption is our, is our soul, our spirit. Our spirit man was redeemed. Amen. We were redeemed by his blood. And the redemption came with an, addi- an addition, the forgiveness of sins. So for redemption to be made possible, sins had to be forgiven. But for sins to be forgiven, the blood had to be shed. Amen. So his blood on the cross was for forgiveness of sins. It was for redemption. When we were redeemed, our sins were forgiven. Redemption is the act of buying back something. Amen. In the Old Testament, we say when you redeem something, it means I owe you something and I'm coming to redeem. I'm coming to buy it back, to take it back. Hallelujah. So we have redemption. We have the act of being bought back. In the Bible, in the first Corinthians chapter 7, verse 20, the Bible says. It talks about abiding in our calling. He bought us with his blood. Amen. He bought us. The Bible says we're bought with a price. Let me just rush there for a minute. I don't, I'm sure it should be First Corinthians 6 verse 20. It says, for you are bought with a price. What is that price? The blood of Jesus. How, how much can you put on the price or on the blood of Jesus? Nothing. How much money can you think it, it equates to the blood of Jesus? Nothing. It is priceless. Amen. The Bible says you were bought with that price. Therefore glorify God in your body. This first Corinthians 6 20 I'm reading we'll see how it relates to the Ephesians, right? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So which which are God's? Your body, your spirit, which is yours, your soul. You are bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. What happens to your your soul? You transform your soul. Amen. Your soul is the midpoint between your spirit and your body. So God redeems your spirit and he says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. As a living sacrifice. So what happens to your spirit? Transformation. Amen. You were bought with a price. Remember, you were bought with a price. In whom we have redemption through his blood. 
bought with a price. Redemption is the act of buying back the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So this is all according to the riches of his grace, not by what we have done. Amen. Verse 8 says, which he caused to abound towards us. So his grace, the riches of his grace, the Bible says he caused to abound towards us. He multiplied it towards us. He made it to increase towards us. Amen. Abound means to increase, means to multiply. So he, the riches of his grace, he caused to, uh, to increase towards us in all wisdom and understanding. Towards here, wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Amen. What is wisdom? What is understanding? Wisdom is accumulated knowledge or enlightenment. Wisdom is what? Accumulated knowledge. But it, if we say it's just accumulated knowledge, it is limited. It also says it's the ability to apply knowledge. So wisdom is accumulated knowledge, which gives you the ability to also apply it. Wisdom is accumulated knowledge that's applied. Let me put it that way. Amen. Wisdom is accumulated knowledge which is applied. Hallelujah. When we talk about understanding, when we talk about understanding, we are talking about the cognitive condition of someone who understands. We're talking about somebody who can process information. Understanding is the ability to process information. Amen. Understanding is the ability to process information. While wisdom is the ability to apply processed information. Glory to God. This is a message to keep. It says, verse 8 says, which he had caused to abound toward us in all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9 says, having made known to us the mystery of his will. What's the will of God? That we believe in Jesus Christ. His son. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. Verse 10 says, For an administration of the fullness of time, fullness of times, to head up all things in Christ, both the things in heaven and the things on earth, even in him. This was talking about putting everything under the feet of Christ. Amen. Under the feet of the church. Verse 11 says, In whom also we have been chosen to an inheritance in whom in whom who in jesus christ we have been chosen to an inheritance so your work in god is not based on your effort it's based by the grace of god the bible says the riches of his grace amen which has caused to abound towards us you've been chosen it's not by your ability it's not by how talented you are it's not by how righteous you think you are is a choice of God. The Bible says in the book of James, I'm sure James chapter 1 verse 18, it says he by himself begat us by his own will. So God gave birth to us by his own will. Because it was by the will of God that he gave Christ, right? God so loved the way he gave. Man did not do anything for God to give. Man, God only saw the weaknesses of man and the inability of man to redeem himself. So God sent his only begotten son to redeem man, to buy us back. How did man get sold in the first place for him, for him to need redemption? In Genesis chapter 3, when man gave his birthright back to the devil, or when man gave his birthright to the devil, when the devil deceived man, man gave his place of authority to the devil. Amen. So Christ had to come to give us the ability to be bought back. Or the opportunity to be bought back. 
but the whole world has been brought back. But you need to confess it with your own mouth. You need to believe it to be able to uh, to, to to enter the manifestations of that redemption. To be able to benefit from the blessings of that redemption. To be able to benefit from the place of citizenship as a child born to that kingdom. Amen. Amen. For an administration of the fullness of times to head up all things in Christ. Both the things in heaven and the things on earth, even in him. And level says, in whom also we have been chosen to an inheritance. So what is our inheritance as children of God? Eternal life. Amen. Our inheritance is the kingdom of God. Our inheritance is eternal life. The first and foremost, it is what? Eternal life. So the kingdom of God is... Mm. The kingdom of God is our inheritance, right? But the kingdom of God, in essence, was not made for us to go and live in. The kingdom of heaven is a place of authority. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God is, a, is, is, a, is, the, is the essence of God's dominion. Amen. So the kingdom of God is also our inheritance. Whether we live on earth as paradise or, or heaven exists for God, it is still talking about the dominion, dominion of God. Amen. So the kingdom of God is the dominion of God, where God resides, where God exerts his authority and majesty. Hallelujah. The Bible says we have been chosen to an inheritance. Chosen to be to, to, to experience eternal life. Being predestinated. Amen. According to the purpose of him. What is what's is the meaning of being predestinated? Hallelujah. Predestinated. What does it mean? It means to, to be predetermined, certain to be determined beforehand. I determine to go somewhere. It means I plan to go somewhere. Something that has been planned beforehand. And when we talk about predestination, we're talking about by divine will or decree. Amen. Amen. So you have been predestinated by divine decree, divine will, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. God does not need another person to consult with. There's nobody higher than God, so God cannot swear to another higher than, uh, than himself, but he swears to himself. Amen. He swears to Abraham. The Bible says because he sought no, 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 nobody greater than himself to swear unto him, he swore to him so when he was making the covenant with Abraham. Hallelujah. The Bible says according to the counsel of his own will, Right, God cannot lie, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no way that God can, God's will can be, has, can have errors. Verse 20, for us to be, for us to be to the praise of his glory, who previously had trusted in Christ. Previously had trusted to Christ, verse 13, in whom also you, hearing the word of truth. What are you hearing? The word of truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. When we're growing up, we had this book, Our Way to the Father. So Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the way to eternal life. He's the way to the kingdom of God. He's the truth. He's the truth about who God is. He's the truth about salvation. He's the truth about the beauty of God, the praise of God, the glory of God, and the blessings of God. He's the life. He's eternal life. He's the essence of our existence. Amen. He says, in whom 
also you hearing the word of truth the gospel of our salvation so there's a gospel of our salvation the gospel of our salvation what is gospel good news the good news of our salvation what is salvation the act of being saved amen in whom also believing you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise in whom also believing the bible says in whom also you believed we should be past tense the day you became born again, you believed. But it says, we also believing. Believing is a present continuous tense. Which means you keep believing on a daily basis. Why? There are things that will come around you that will want you to make that will want to make you to doubt who God is. That will want to make you to doubt the promises of God over your life, the blessings of God over your life. Amen. But you keep believing. Why? Because every day you keep hearing the word of truth. You keep hearing about the promises of God over your life. What God has said, what He has decreed. You keep believing. Why? Because doubt will keep coming. The devil moves to and forsaking womb to devour. How do you think he comes? He, he wants to enter into a, into a family by sowing doubt. But you keep believing what God has said and keep trusting Him for your faith to stay at a level where the devil cannot compromise. Amen. Mm-hmm. The Bible you were seated with the Holy Spirit of promise. So most of the time, you hear people say that don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make the Holy Spirit to leave you. Grieving the Holy Spirit is not about living, letting the Holy Spirit leave you. Amen. The Bible said the day you believed, the day you became born again, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You were sealed. How can God seal you with the Holy Spirit and then who unseals him? Who unseals the Holy Spirit in you? Amen. Most of the time, do you know when you buy a new bag or a new shoe, there's always a, a, a package that they put inside, which is called, they have it called something silica. silica. No, not silica, silica. Amen. Silica is inside. It is used to absorb the moisture either in the bag, in, in the dress, or in the shoe. But what, what do they always write there? Do not eat. Amen. The bag has been seed. It was not meant for you to rupture it. Once you rupture it, you have, you have destroyed the purpose for which it was made. So God sealing you with the Holy Spirit, coming back to unseal the Holy Spirit destroys the very purpose of the essence of you being saved the Holy Spirit in the first place. And the sealing of the Holy Spirit is for is to show the, that your totality of salvation has happened upon you or redemption has been taken place. Amen. Amen. Verse 40 says, Who is the earnest of our inheritance? Hmm. With the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the earnest of our inheritance? To the redemption. What makes redemption possible is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convicts you the way to receive redemption. Amen. Who is the earnest of our inheritance? To the redemption of the purchased possession. Remember, I read to us 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, right? You were bought with a price. The Bible says you are a purchased possession. <laughs> to the praise of his glory. So you were bought for the purpose of praising God. Amen. You were bought, bought for the purpose of praising God. You were made for the purpose of praising God. You were redeemed for the purpose of praising God. Your, but the reason that you, why you were born was for you to keep praising God on a daily basis. So you praise him whether things are good or whether things don't work according to your desire. Because at the end of the day, God is good. And all the time, God is good. Hallelujah. Say, so who is the earnest of our inheritance to the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Verse 15 says, Therefore I also, hearing of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love to all the saints. So, hearing of your faith in Jesus Christ, having faith in his finished works and love towards all the saints. So if you have faith in Christ, how do you show the faith in Christ? It's your love 
the saints. Love the brethren. Love your fellow brothers and sisters. If I sh- if if I get into a very bright room, right, and the and outside is dark, for someone to know that I'm from that bright room, it will show on my face. Because once I come, I will have that I will close my eyes. I will try to twist it. Why? Because bright coming from very bright light into darkness, there's an issue. Your eyes need to adapt to that sudden change. So somebody who, who sees you know that ah, you're from that room. Same way you live from darkness into a very bright light the reverse cannot be untrue the reverse is true right as you enter first thing happens that you close your eyes because of the brightness of that light your eyes need to adapt to that brightness so somebody who lives from sin into the glory into the kingdom of god it takes time for adaptation most of that will make the mistake for thinking that someone who sees today i believe in christ confess jesus christ becomes born again the patient job become perfect there's a period of adaptation that bright light becomes blinding to that person. Amen. So you two is in the light. When you go to a place of sin, what happens is that you close your eyes first. Why? Because it's, you're not comfortable in that area. Same to somebody living from sin into the kingdom of God. The person is not comfortable in that area. The person needs time to adapt. Glory to God. It says, therefore, I also hearing of your faith. So the, there's a joy when you hear about the faith of people who you preach to, who you minister to about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And showing that love to everybody. The verse 16 says, Do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. It's our duty to never cease giving thanks for others. And it's our duty to always make mention of others in our prayers. What is that called? Intercession. Amen. Verse 17. This is where our focus is. The Bible says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him there are many persons in the bible that god gave them the spirit of wisdom. One of the very first persons in the Bible that God gave the spirit of wisdom was Exodus chapter 28 verse 3. The Bible says in Exodus 28 verse 3 that and you shall speak unto all that are wise-hearted whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister unto me unto me in the priest's office. Amen. These were people that God filled with the spirit of wisdom. But the first person that God gave the spirit of wisdom to was Moses. I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom. In Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 9, the Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid hands, laid his hands upon him. So the first person who had the spirit of wisdom was Moses, and he went about distributing the spirit of wisdom. He even laid hands on Joshua, and Joshua received the spirit of wisdom. I remember I gave us the definition of wisdom amen and i said wisdom was what accumulated knowledge or the ability to apply accumulated knowledge to process and apply accumulated knowledge amen that's why teaching is teaching ministry is very important than just preaching amen because try to define each word so you have a better understanding of what god has given us amen 
So he has given to you the spirit of wisdom. So you have it. You as a child of God, you have it. Spirit, the ability to apply accumulated knowledge. That's why, and you cannot apply what you don't know. You cannot apply ignorance. You shall know the truth. How do you know the truth? You learn it. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Why most of us get, get stuck in situation and we don't know how to a way out? Because why? We don't have accumulated knowledge. And because we don't have accumulated knowledge, we don't have any ability to apply it. The more of the word of God, I keep insisting, the more of the word of God you know, the more you are able to stand and face situation and know what to do at every given point. And how do we call the spirit of discernment? Amen. It says, so you have the spirit of wisdom, but for you to be able to apply the spirit of wisdom, you need to have revelation. Revelation in the knowledge. What is knowledge? Awareness. Information. Knowledge is being exposed to information. There is somebody is very knowledgeable. What do they mean? The person did not wake up and was born knowledgeable. The person accumulated information. So, to, for you to be able to, call, to be called wise, you have to open up yourself to learn. I posted something one day. If you're not earning, you should be learning. Should be learning. But most of the times, we just wave it. <laughs> You don't learn by going to only sit in the classroom. Most of the things I learn, once you have your phone, you can learn. Rather than me going to Facebook and going to people and I'm saying, hello, hi, long time no see. It's below. You did not call me. This one, this one, this one. What do I do? I go to Google. I think of a particular term. Epidemiology. I search it. Once I search it and I read it, I know it. What have I done? I've accumulated information. I have knowledge about that issue. When tomorrow somebody is talking about it with a medical doctor and calls a term, I say, ah, doctor, this is what it means. The person will be, will be taken aback like, how did you know? Simple. It's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation is, being, is something being revealed to you in the knowledge of him. So the revelation of Christ in us. The verse 18 says, the eyes of your understanding. This is... I want to say something. I have to, I have to go somewhere here. Amen. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding. How do your under, does your understanding have eyes? What are your eyes used for? To see. Where does understanding take place in, in you as a being? Where, what, does, what do you use your eyes for? To see. The Bible says in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding. Where is your understanding? If you're keen, when I started by started teaching, I gave us, I talk about the spirit. I talked about the body. I also talked about the soul. So where is your understanding? It's in your soul. Where is, what is your soul? Your mind. Your thinking faculty. The place where the seed of awareness, the seed of knowledge. Amen. So the eyes of your understanding is talking about your mind. Your mind is what processes information. Your mind is what sees. Remember, out of the after the church, what the world does is seeing, believing. In the body of Christ, we is a reverse: believing, seeing. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith says, "I believe, therefore I see." The word says, "I see, therefore I will believe." Christian says, 
I believe, therefore I see. The word tells you, I see, therefore I will believe. Or therefore I believe. What Jesus Christ told the disciples when, when Thomas came, wanted to say, unless I see, for I believe. He was walking by the flesh. He was walking by his body language. But when Jesus Christ came and he touched it, what did Jesus Christ say? Greater, better are they who believe without seeing. You have seen, therefore you have believed. But better and greater are they that will believe without seeing. And the question I ask you is, are you in the era of those who are believing before seeing? If so be it, therefore you are greater than the ones who saw before they believed. Amen. Amen. The eyes of your understanding is your mind. It says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Remember, the eyes of your understanding is your mind. So your mind needs to be enlightened. How does your mind become enlightened? Transformation. Renewal. Your body needs to be offered as a living sacrifice, as I said in the beginning. Your spirit needs to be redeemed. So redemption is of the spirit. Sacrifice is of the body. Renewal is of the mind. So the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, receiving the word. In Psalms 119 verse 130, the Bible says the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Where does the word of God enter? Your mind. Once your mind is transformed, your spirit has been born again. It just needs to work in agreement to your mind that has received an understanding of the reason why you were born again. Your body only falls in line when you discipline your body, giving it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Holiness is of the body. Purity is of the body. But say, be holy as I am holy. Body. Not by how you dress. Not by how you talk. But it's from the inside to the outside. Once your spirit is born again, your mind is transformed. Your body will automatically fall in line. You don't need to take the body and give to, to obedience, to submission. Why? Because two against one, one submits. One thing that makes us believers limited is because we take the we have so much information that comes to a point where it goes above faith. So much facts that faith becomes useless, which means everything that you show you about faith, you want to judge it. But, but, but the thing is that the eyes of your understanding is your mind, the seat of wisdom. It's the Bible says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. Information gives you awareness, it gives you knowledge. The first four letters of knowledge is what? No. K N O W. So for you to say you have knowledge, you first of all know. And for you to know, you first of all have information. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of his glory. This book of Ephesians keeps talking about the riches of his glory, riches of his grace, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? But it comes from a place of knowledge. You shall know the truth. The truth makes you free. You shall know the truth. The truth makes you free. Verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us? The power of God is not limited in any way. We limit the power of God. 
I learned something from a great man of God recently. He says sometimes God, the ability of God blessing you is too big and too wide. But when God comes with the, the, the dimension of his blessings, it all depends on your container that you're receiving. So many of us come with a limited mindset to receive from the greatness, the vastness of God's blessings. You come and God's blessings are readily available, but you come with a mindset of little. You are praying and you're asking God for 10,000. God is like, if you give you, I give you 10,000. And you're asking for 10,000 because you need just 10,000. God says, you are coming from a place of limitation. You are limiting my ability to bless you. I'm, I have a well of salvation, a well of blessing. Instead of you coming with a big bucket to draw out of the waters of the wells of salvation, what you're coming with? With a cup. Not even a cup, you're coming with a teaspoon. How can you question your test with a teaspoon? So it's our container that limits us from receiving the blessings of God. Not the blessings of God being limited. When the example that he gave was who? Elijah. Is it Elisha? Elijah and Elisha. And the poor widow. Who God directed to. And after he told Elijah, Elijah asked him that give me something to eat. He said, I have just a little to eat me and my son, and tomorrow we die. What did he say? Say, bring the oil. Give make me something to eat. When he has eaten the small oil that was left, okay, bring the oil to me. He says, go and borrow vessels, not a few. Borrow as many containers as you can. So, look at something. That was a limitless blessing. If that woman had the ability to dig a well, that oil will never run dry. The man was said, borrow as much as you can. Don't borrow a few. The man said, the woman went around to all the them, borrow until there was no container else to borrow. When she stopped by the last container, the oils fit all the containers to the last one. When it fit the last one, the oil stopped flowing. Which means it is your container that determines the flow of God's blessing over your life. If you have your last container, God ends at that point. So God's power is not limited. The Bible says the surpassing greatness of his power towards us, his blessing towards us. So how, when you come to God, which amount, which, which size of content do you bring? What is the big, the great, the, the large, the largest or the largeness of your container? Once you come with a teaspoon, you fill it with a teaspoon. And what, by the time you get to your house, what has happened? That's peed on the ground. That's how some of us ask for blessings of God. Teaspoon blessings. Another person will ask for a bucket. What happens is that the person with teaspoon will come back to the person with a bucket and thinking that God is a God of partiality. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light, in whom there's no variable, there's no partiality. The Bible says in 19, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us? I'm coming to a close. The ones believing. Greatness of his power towards us, the ones believing. So the power of God only you can only experience the surpassing greatness of his power when you believe. The Bible says to the ones believing according to the working of his mighty strength, verse 20, which he worked in Christ, in raising him up from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly far above principalities and powers and dominion and authority and every name that has been named, not only in this world but also in the coming age and he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is their body the fullness of him who feeds all in all glory to God hallelujah let God's word richly dwell in us in the name of Jesus hallelujah 
We hope you've been blessed by this message from the Tower Church Gathering. God bless you.